This episode of Market Foolery is supported by NetSuite, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform. Download their free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, today at netsuite.com fool. It's Monday, July 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and we have a very special Market Foolery for you today. If it sounds a bit different, it's because we're coming to you from Boulder, Colorado, from historic Chautauqua Park at the foot of the Flatirons in Boulder, Colorado. And I am very honored to be joined by Motley Fool analyst Tim Byers from our Colorado office, Fool-Rado. Tim, welcome. Thanks, Mac. It's great to be back. We've done this before, but it's been a while. It has been around 10 years or so yeah. when I last interviewed you here in Boulder, and we've got lots to talk about. We're going to hit some Boeing news. Boeing losing another big order, Tim. Yes. Woof. Yeah, exactly. That's the best way to say it, right? I yeah. mean, this is the more this happens, the more uh, it, it looks like it's, it's not normal. Boeing's been through this before with the 787, but... There's no telling when the 737 MAX is going to get off the ground, and right now they're losing orders because of it. Well, we're going to get to that. We're also going to talk about a stock that I know you are fired up to talk about, CrowdStrike. Yep. And we're going to have, well, we're going to do a little speculating because there's some rumors afoot involving Dish and Google, and so we'll talk about that. But let's begin with the big news of the weekend, the U.S. women winning the World Cup, beating the Netherlands 2 to nothing on Sunday. Um, now, Tim, this story is so much bigger than sports. Yeah. Um, and it's a lot bigger than business. Yeah. And one of the big threads here is the pay disparity. Right. The disparity in earnings between the U.S. women's team yep. and the U.S. men's team. Yes. And and that – so the U.S. women's team filed a an equal pay lawsuit in, in March. Um, so they really threw the gauntlet down before starting this tournament. And then they came through. And so as you – saw if you watch the game at the end of it there were chants of equal pay equal pay equal pay and i'll tell you it, it is utter nonsense i mean really that the men's team is you know vying for a prize pool of 400 million and the women are vying for a prize pool of 30 million all other it, it really is crazy when you put it in those terms any other thought about proportional pay and what they what they get paid relative to the prize pool it's just throw that out the window. You're talking about more than half the population. You're talking about a generation of inspired girls. You're talking about one of the best teams on the planet and they're playing for a less than a 10th of the of the prize pool that's available to the men. That's a, that's a nonsense. That's amazing. So just to underline that, the champions from the Men's World Cup get more than the total prize money yes. in the women's world cup. Yes. That that's that's crazy. And when you think about this from the business perspective, so let's just take take that and say how much is say Nike, which had a great ad. I I've mean, heard of them. Yes. <laughs> hours after the the women won the title, put out a really great ad. Incredible ad. Yes, I believe and whether you love Nike or hate Nike and they are they are a polarizing stock because of their, their willingness to stand behind Colin Kaepernick. And and I when I think about this, they're trying now to sort of get to this growing population of women, of girls, who really haven't had apparel or shoes. Like, when's the last time a, a girl soccer player had, like, the, you know, Megan Rapino you know, soccer boot? 
You know, like that's coming. Yeah. I guarantee that's coming, whether Nike makes it or Adidas makes it. It is coming. So they're very forward thinking about this. And it if if we're not thinking about if if we're not adding that into the equal pay equation, uh, then we're not, not thinking big enough. And to be clear there, Tim, this isn't just Nike just trying to create goodwill. Right. The US women's home jersey is the number one selling yes. soccer jersey. Yes in one season in history on right. Nike's website. Right. So Nike is making some money here. Yeah, and 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 they will make a lot more by um, by catering to this population of very inspired girls who've been inspired by these women. I think they are they're they're getting at the forefront of a very big mega trend which is that you know, women athletes are drawing big crowds. They're putting up superior performances. There really isn't any difference between what we're seeing in terms of excellence, athleticism on the women's on the women's side than there is on the men's side. That was very clear in this World Cup tournament. And so for the companies that are thinking about this in terms of businesses, how do you cater to girls who really want to be the next Megan Rapino or the next Alex Morgan? Nike is at the forefront of that, but they will not be the only one. You're going to see Under Armour. You're probably going to see Adidas. It's it's a big, big trend, and there's a lot of money behind it. And Tim, let's move on to big news from Deutsche Bank. Shares lower today on news that Deutsche Bank would cut 18,000 jobs by 2022. That works out to around 20% of their workforce. What is going on here with Deutsche Bank? So Deutsche Bank is eliminating its equity trading. Um, and they're 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 eliminating a lot of what is, I I, I would consider retail uh, banking and retail equities banking. Equity trading is not a the fat uh, profitable business that it used to be because fees are coming down. They're coming down across the boards. They're coming down for institutions. They're coming down for individuals like you and I because of business models like Robinhood. You know, zero fee stock trades. So in order to remake the bank. They are dumping some of these, you know, very low, low lying uh, businesses that are historically important to Deutsche Bank, but just don't make nearly enough money. And and that's going to cost them about 18,000 jobs. At the same time, we're going to see um, it's something to watch in the U.S. banking sector, because a lot of the U.S. bank stocks last year underperformed and all of the CEOs got their typical uh, got their typical raises. In fact, the Wall Street Journal did an analysis this morning, so this is fresh news. The average pay raise for a Wall Street CEO, Wall Street Bank CEO, for the past year was eight and a half percent. The S and P five hundred average was five point six percent. So, Mac, tell me how I get paid for underperformance. How do I get that gig? Yeah, we, we were talking <laughs> about this. We had breakfast before our taping. And in what other area of your life do you get rewarded for underperforming? Like as a father, as a husband, as a in your workplace. I mean, how does that work? I, you know, you're you're. I'm trying to crack this code. Only if you work at a Wall Street bank, apparently, does this work. That's how the math works on Wall Street. So uh, maybe we need to, you know, be borrowing some things from Wall Street. I I don't know, but it really is. It's frustrating. It's it's a little annoying, but I think this is if you're an investor and you're watching this, the signal from Deutsche Bank is pay close attention. What starts in Europe doesn't stay in Europe. So whatever happens happens there may be coming to our shores soon. So keep a close eye on those U.S. banks. And let's move on to Boeing. 
Tim, more bad news for Boeing. Fly a deal, a discount Saudi Arabian Airlines, has canceled its order of up to 50 737 maxes. The order will instead go to Airbus. Right. So, Tim, Boeing not out of the woods yet. No, and, and in fact, the longer this goes on, the more this starts to look like it's not business as usual. You may remember a few years ago that as Boeing was coming out with the 787, what we called the Dreamliner, uh, that plane had a few issues because it was being designed in an entirely new way. They had to do lots of different tests. There were some unfortunate incidents there. They weren't exactly the same as what we've seen with the MAX, which ha has led to you know over 340 fatalities and two very serious crashes overseas. So it isn't quite at that scale. But my original thought had always been that you know, Boeing has been here before. They've fixed issues before. They fix them with the 787. They'll be fine. But the longer this goes on, the more orders that get canceled, the more it looks like this isn't business as usual. This is an outlier. And Airbus is going to continue to seize it because they do have a very comparable plane in the A321neo. Okay. So I want to hit you up with a question here because the 737 MAX was grounded in March by the FAA. Yes. And by regulators around the world. Um, at the time, shares were north of 400 or actually before the grounding, Boeing shares trading north of $400. Yes. Today, trading around $350. Yep. Are you interested? Is there an opportunity there or is it still buyer beware? There's a little bit of buyer beware. I would be willing to let this fall a little further. Boeing's one of the greatest businesses in the world. So I don't think you should quibble over dollars on, on this one too much. If you do buy in now, I don't have a problem with that because I can see it, especially if you're on a 10-year hold. This is a this is a duopoly. So And historically, uh, they go back and forth. One year, Airbus is the leader. The next, Boeing is the leader. And more than half of Boeing's revenue comes from the aircraft division. So this is a big deal. Once they fix this, the tailwinds really start to stack up. So I, for me personally... I probably wait a little bit longer, maybe get a slightly better price. But if I didn't, I don't quibble about it. I just prepare to hold this for 10 years. Okay, Tim, before we get to our next story, I want to say thanks to NetSuite. Now, we know that if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem that growing businesses have, the thing that keeps them from knowing their numbers, is a hodgepodge of business systems. You've got a system for accounting. You've got another one for sales, another for inventory. Tim, what a mess. It is a giant mess. And it's really inefficient as well, taking up too much time and sucking up way too many resources. And that's where NetSuite by Oracle comes in. It's the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. Tim, how do you feel about saving time and saving money? I am strongly in favor of both. Well, with NetSuite... You save time, yes. You save money, yes. And you save unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting orders and HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business platform. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com fool. That's netsuite.com fool to download your free guide. Seven key strategies to grow your profits. NetSuite.com slash fool. 
Okay, Tim, let's move on to a stock that I know you're excited about, a company you're fired up about, yep. CrowdStrike. Shares of the cybersecurity company up on Monday on positive coverage. Um, one analyst at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, calling CrowdStrike a, quote, dominant force in endpoint security. Now, Tim, CrowdStrike is a Motley Fool recommendation, and the stock has been on quite the tear lately. First of all, what is CrowdStrike? So CrowdStrike is what you call a cloud security platform. And um, I blame the Starbucks generation, of which I am a part, uh, for this. Basically, what it means is that um, when you take a device that's going to connect to a network, but you take it outside of our headquarters, whether you're talking about Fulorado or Full HQ, and you go work at a Starbucks, which, I mean, we how many of us have done this? I mean, every one of us has done this. So when you do that, you sort of complicate the way you can monitor a network. And so in order to account for that, there are companies, including Crowd, CrowdStrike, that use the cloud in order to say, okay, what we're gonna do is put security in the cloud and we're gonna monitor everything that connects into the network, regardless of where they are. So an endpoint, just to put it really simply, an endpoint is a smartphone or it's a desktop, or it's a, it's, a, it's a MacBook. It's anything that connects to a network through the cloud. It's the endpoint for the network. And so in order to be able to monitor that, CrowdStrike has these intelligent agents, they use artificial intelligence. They're essentially looking for outlying patterns that tell them something is wrong and we need to take action. Okay, so when I hear all that, one of my questions is, what about the competition? Because they are obviously not the only player in this yeah, space. Right, and Zscaler is another one that does. So, I mean, we're talking tickers. So ticker for CrowdStrike is CRWD. Zscaler is ZS. And both of these are companies that operate security in the cloud. And you're right, there are plenty of them. There are lots of companies that specialize in securing the cloud when you're connecting into a network from the cloud. There are others too that make more traditional equipment like Palo Alto Networks that do this. But what's really interesting is because of the way CrowdStrike uses artificial intelligence and machine learning and gathers a lot of data, the, the key word in its name is crowd. They yep. take a lot of different data from a lot of different sources. They monitor what's happening on the internet. They take all of that and they make more intelligent decisions and then they strike when they see the, the pattern that they've, they've observed. Um, so what makes them different is gathering all that data from lots of different sources around the web. Okay, Tim, so if five years from now we're looking back yep. and CrowdStrike has absolutely crushed the market, what happened? And if five years from now we're looking back and it's been a real laggard. It's, yep. it's been an underperformer. What do you think happened? So if it if it destroys from here, it'll mean that AI for security has really caught on. And the idea of, you know, autonomously and automatically, you know, using machine learning and artificial intelligence to detect patterns and root out bad actors, that CrowdStrike has really found a secret sauce to, to using that technology very, very well, and they've done it better than others. If they failed, it's because that technology gave a lot of false positives, or it wasn't quite right, or quite frankly, that somebody like Zscaler said, you know what, we've got, we've got the better mousetrap here, we've got better data, we've got, you know, better scale, and, and they found a way to 
sort of take CrowdStrike and put them in a box and, and leave them there. And Tim, let's close with a New York Post report that Google and Dish are in talks to build a fourth U.S. wireless carrier. Now, Google has denied the report. But what do you think? Does that get you excited? No, that's nonsense. <laughs> that's, that's that's absolute nonsense. No, it's it, and it's because mostly because it's Dish. Um, it's not because it's a bad idea. Google does need another network, and they shouldn't uh, get in the business of buying a network. But remember that Google, probably around the time that we last talked, uh, you know, here in Chautauqua, Mac. Do you remember that they were talking about buying up Spectrum and they were bidding on Spectrum? Do you yep. remember this? Yep. So this is. I think the report is accurate. I don't think that, you know, Google denying it says that all that means is that they maybe had some preliminary conversations, but I would not be surprised at all if Google partners up with either like a, a T-Mobile or a Sprint or both, or maybe even all three to form a, a significant network where if you're a Google member, if you have say like a, a Android smartphone that allows you to get very fast access wherever you are. Um, that that does appeal to me because if you are a Google, the one thing you want as omnipresently as possible is really fast access through the Chrome browser. That's what feeds the Google machine. So there is definitely a need for there to be a Google-centric network, but with Dish, no. Okay, and when you when you look at Google and you look at Alphabet, the parent company writ large, I know at one time you were pretty bullish, or at least bullish on YouTube. Yes. Are you still feeling that way? How do we feel about Alphabet writ large? Uh, not as good as I feel about um, Amazon or, uh, let's see, I mean, amongst the cloud titans, I think the one that really stands out for me, if you're going to talk about a communications company, is a Twilio. I think Twilio is the emerging cloud titan that not enough people are following. And that ticker is TWLO. And what Twilio does is they just orchestrate communications. Like if you are hailing an Uber or I got here on a Lyft, uh, hailing a Lyft, Twilio sends that data. It sends my request to Lyft to a driver. Uh, it allows you to make phone calls inside of Salesforce. So I like Alphabet. The reason I don't like Alphabet or I'm not as bullish on it as I used to be is I feel like the advertising model is changing dramatically. Search will always be relevant, but the most important advertising of the next 10 years, in my opinion, is connected TVs that are highly personalized, highly tailored. And in that business, Roku is the sleeping giant and they are probably going to not be, they're, they're not going to be under the radar too much longer. And a Google and Dish partnership doesn't do much no, for No, that, that does absolutely nothing for me. I, I can't see Dish being a, a technical leader in a business that requires technical leadership. Okay, Tim, well, we're going to wrap up with my favorite question, kind of a signature question of mine. I don't sure. know if I've ever put you to this, but okay. it's, it's, it's the desert island question. Yes. And we're going to review all the stocks we've discussed. If you're on a desert island for the next five years, and you can only buy one of these stocks. And you got nothing else to do. You're on a desert island. Right. Okay. Are you going with Nike, Deutsche Bank, Boeing, CrowdStrike, Alphabet, or Dish? CrowdStrike. Wow. You didn't even hesitate. Yeah. Even with the run-up, because the stock's been on fire, right? Yeah. Here's the reason why. Two reasons. First, the number of devices or endpoints. Remember, we talked about 
a, a laptop, a smartphone, anything that connects to the internet when you're at Starbucks, let's just say, all of those things are endpoints. And those number, those endpoints are multiplying geometrically. So there's that. Also, every two years, the volume of data that is out in the wild is doubling. So you take that, you take those two things together. That requires delivering security at scale. And the only way to do that is through the cloud. Okay. Well, if you have any thoughts on endpoint security or the World Cup or Deutsche Bank or Boeing or Dish or Alphabet, we'd love to hear from you. Marketfoolery at fool.com. That's marketfoolery at fool.com. And as always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Tim Byers from Chautauqua Park, historic Chautauqua Park in Boulder, Colorado. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Mac. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Mac Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. 